Welcome to Persistent Broads, where we sound off on the news, politics, and culture affecting women across the state, country, and beyond. I'm Lauren. I mean, that's just the rules of feminism, Meal. I'm Kate. I can't go to Taco Bell. I'm on an all-carb diet. Vibbert. <laughs> and I'm Emily. I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, Holly. Which, by the way, happy Mean Girls anniversary. Happy Mean Girls anniversary to all. It's 15 been, years. It's been 15 years. That makes that, me feel really old. That cultural touchstone is just every time I watch it, it gets better. I can't wait to show it to my own girl. It's true. I think Eloise will really enjoy it. I think so too. <laughs> also, it's pink. Everything in that movie is pink. Well, we, not everything, but... <laughs> it's true. It is true. There's a lot of pink There's in that a, movie. There's a pink undertone to the movie. <laughs> I love it. Tina Fey is a national treasure. Honestly, she really is. Do you remember that vest that she wears in that movie? Yes, and it has, about? it has patches, yeah. and it's when, uh, when she goes to the store that Janice works at. Yeah. And she talks about how seeing uh, teachers at school is like watching a dog walk on his hind legs. No. <laughs> Which I think is I think is an apt. Uh, it's true. It's yes. Also, my mom is a is a teacher, and that's definitely the look that we would get from her students that would recognize her. Just yeah, be like, it's oh, it's so jarring to see your teacher have a life outside of school. My mom is a teacher as well. She's retired now, and I actually would not be surprised to see her in a vest like that. <laughs> I mean, Tina Fey pulls it off. Tina Fey yeah. pulls it off. My mom could pull it off. Vests are a hard look to pull off. It really I, are. I was one of those people that got, I didn't have like, I didn't have like an Avril Lavigne phase or whatever, but mm. I definitely had a vest that I would put over like a white button down shirt and I wore it my first day of high school Oof. and I thought I was so stylish. And then I wore it Woof. again for <laughs> a, uh, for a like cabaret thing that we did for musical theater and oh, man it oh sounds it, like a musical theater kind of outfit it definitely well i wore it with i with like a big skirt that we like stole from the costume loft it was it was a thing i had a denim vest that i wore all through middle school and i thought it made me look super cool fact there is actually <laughs> in the mean girls musical cool. there's a whole thing about how karen is not allowed to wear denim vests and that at the point where god um, karen you're so stupid where uh they like talk about how regina is no longer in power and the Karen character gets up and rips the sleeves off her jacket so it's a vest <laughs> which is i think the best kind of quick change there is just when you know the sleeves slide right off it's true i'm yeah. surprised that no one has brought that forth they have felt men get like the zip off shit yes like the kind that you can you can just like, like rip off yeah when you're like camping like camping gear mm -hmm. and you can just zipper it off the thing is though you're getting attacked by men, a bear and you men don't wear drag. it for cap camping gear they no. wear it in they like wear it around real life and but i'm look, saying that's like the intended it's use. like what's like it's cargo true. shorts yeah. yeah i do not oh. like cargo shorts I cargo shorts are canceled woof <laughs> canceled 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 men have worn cargo shorts for far too long and they should really just stop it, my, they don't look good on anyone jokes from super bad which is a little inappropriate i think for this podcast but it's, there are other pants that people can wear like pants. you can also you don't need that many pockets if you're carrying that much stuff get a bag no yeah yeah what's in there it, exactly tots <laughs> tots would definitely be in there yes i yeah well, I mean, I'm really glad that we have talked about Mean Girls and cargo shorts and camping, but 
let's move on to this is a, a really little, well-rounded podcast yes very much maybe we should move on to uh maybe a more somber note as this week was the one-year anniversary of the kavanaugh hearings and basically when everyone kind of noticed that you know this country i mean we already knew it kind of sucked but like it can super suck if you're a lady especially if you're a lady of color so uh i guess my my question is i i did not know either of you last year around this time that's true so which is very upsetting because you guys are great and so i would like to know what you guys were doing at the time of the kavanaugh hearings and we can talk about our collective experiences when the hearings first came down i was actually a stay-at-home mom to my little girl eloise who will be two in december and i remember first thinking oh my god what am i going to tell her when in high school she learns about the supreme court and she asks why there's an accused rapist on the supreme court there are two there are two you're right you're absolutely right um i was in atlanta working on the abrams campaign um and i remember i was in a coffee shop and just like started crying about it i was in a coffee shop because the wi-fi in that office kept going out all the time but i was in a coffee shop hashtag campaign life Um, (laughs) seriously and i started crying because i don't know there's just this terrible irony of working for a black woman in georgia while this was all happening that was pretty surreal um a black woman who was running against a white male who had worked his whole career to silence people of color and mostly women of color from the voting block so it was pretty sombering i mean sobering not sombering it was pretty sobering um and i don't know i thought i thought we were kind of past that after 2016 like obviously sexism is still alive and well but I don't know. Just the fact that there, you can still get on the Supreme Court even if you, you know, have terrible past. I, for whatever reason, I was home that day and I watched it, which I'm very glad that I was because I got very upset, Um, especially when Lindsey Graham started just yelling about how they were ruining that, like Christine Blasey Ford was like ruining Kavanaugh's life. And you want to talk about a ruined life? Yeah. Also, like every everything that they talked about, like with due process and he deserves a chance. Yeah, sure, he deserves a chance, but like you don't get to you you don't deserve a seat on the highest court in the land. Like that is something that you don't like just kind of walk yourself into. Also, I mean, just the general huge difference between Christine Blasey Ford's testimony. I should call her Dr. Doctor, Christine. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, her testimony. And just the, like, p- she was so eager to please, and she didn't want to make a big deal about getting coffee. And she she spoke very evenly and calmly. And then, basically, we all broke for lunch. And then Kavanaugh came in just, like, belligerent and yelling and talking back to a lot of the women senators particularly amy klobuchar and asking if she had ever gotten blackout drunk she was like sir my father was also that's not appropriate to ask anyone and much less the united states senator who's questioning you yeah for it's essentially a job interview it's a job interview for the highest court in the land and if 
I mean, if any of us had walked into a job interview and been that just kind of raging and belligerent, we would have immediately been shown the door. They would have you been don't like, think Matt would have hired you if you'd been like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't speak for Matt. I probably wouldn't have hired me. But <laughs> well, it's because it, I'm because women are not allowed to be angry. Don't you know this, Emily? <laughs> right, it's true. And do you remember the the photos of his faces that they got? Mm-hmm. Yes, like, those different just ang- like he when looked they like an him. angry cartoon character. He yeah. did with also, the like the eyebrows yeah. and the squinty eyes and the. I I wanted to know how did you make that cartoon face with your actual face? I remember yeah. watching the SNL sketch of it later oh, that God. week and. I was trying to remember what parts were real and what parts weren't. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like that, that can't, that that's, oh, I'm like, someone came up with that line. And then I would go back and be like, oh no, he, he actually said that. And that's bad. And I also, now that I'm, now I'm remembering more. Do you remember the woman who, w- that they brought in because she was basically in charge of questioning Christine Blasey Ford, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. And late, and I don't even think they like used her during Kavanaugh's testimony and it was just such I mean it was like it was just like here we know a woman yeah here throw her out it is just a searing indictment of just like how much those people those Republican guys on the Judiciary Committee just did not get it like well and it's truly disgusting to pit a woman against another woman yeah because I mean the fact is that if you are a woman you are more at risk of being raped harassed, sexually assaulted, whatever terminology in that realm you want to use, mm-hmm. you are much more at risk than a man is. In fact, a lot of us have probably gone through some level of harassment mm-hmm. in our lives. I know I have. And I think that's especially the, like how the, I'm sorry I interrupted you, that's but okay. I think that's especially why the Me Too like thing that came forward was such a huge moment because a lot of us thought that we were going through it alone like right like this this has uh, no one's talking about it so obviously it's not happening to anyone and so if i talk about it it's not that i'm going to be alone and i'm sorry i interrupted you you can continue no that's okay (laughs) i i just i think that as women and it was truly disgusting to see women being interviewed on the news as if as if newscasters were trying to find just token women. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. To try and discredit Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony. And yeah. I mean they came up with just dozens and dozens of excuses. Well, she never meant she never wanted her story to be public and um you know, there's no evidence and innocent until proven guilty. And just the idea that someone would make that up. Right is just completely mind-blowing and asinine. Why would you make something up like that? There was a really awesome article in The Cut from the New York Magazine this week that they talked to just about everyone who has come forward and made a public accusation. And we can link to it in the show notes, but it basically talked about like, did you gain anything from this? And more often than not, and I mean, I... I've scrolled through all of the stories and a lot of them are just so heartbreaking. Like people had to leave their homes. They lost their children. They had all sorts of terrible things happen to them. And I 
I can't imagine why someone would come forward with a story like this, knowing that they are more than likely not going to be believed Mm -hmm. and put themselves through the the trauma of reliving and kind of regurgitating the story of your pain. And it's again, like you said, it's asinine that anyone would think that like people are making this up. I think it. Sorry, go Sorry. Ahead. I think it also speaks to just like the the uh, the patriarchal idea of, you know, not appreciating women's pain. Like yes. like mm-hmm. making women explain their their rape stories and relive trauma in front of a, you know, publicly in front of TV viewers like what we watched on C-SPAN. And just having complete disregard for the experience, the trauma, what the reliving the trauma might bring, you know, and and it's something that women carry with them every day after an experience like that. It's and and you know it's it's trauma and it's that I remember reading that Dr. Ford had they were she was redoing her house and she needed an extra door because she was afraid of um, sort of getting out, out yeah. of a situation like that and it's just. It's, like, stuff like that where you really, like, people are living with this every day, and just because, you know, you hold the power doesn't mean that you can silence someone's trauma. Right. And people, I heard a lot last year, I heard a lot, well, why didn't she come forward at the time? Well, she she did. she, She did, and there was a story... It's interesting because when we were deciding to talk about this for this episode, I saw a story yesterday in the New York Times, which we can also link to in the show notes. But it is about a high school girl in the town of Niagara, New York, who was raped by a classmate of hers. And she accused him and the process started, but she still had to go to school with him until he was eventually expelled. And obviously this was in the era of social media. And so she was tormented, tormented via text and Snapchat and social media. And she had kids, you know, making faces at her and being awful to her. And that's why you don't come forward. That's why women and young girls don't come forward. They don't feel safe. They don't and feel like they're going to be believed. Yeah, right. There's there's zero for, incentive for to coming forward. For this exact cycle. Right. right. And the, the school's response was, well, he's entitled to an education. But what is she entitled to? At what cost? Right. And what is she entitled to with respect to the trauma that she has right. been through? And I think, I think that that's something to keep in mind. And I'm, I'm looking at the, at the stats. And the CDC said that it had found that 7.4% of high school students reported having been physically forced to have sexual intercourse when they did not want to. And so obviously that is a question of, are we teaching kids about consent? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, the short answer is no. The short answer is no, obviously. Um, universities are struggling with this all across the country as well as these scandals come forward and how universities are dealing with that. And that's something else that we can get into on a later episode. But I was just reading this article and I thought, oh my gosh, like this just happened within the last year to this young girl. And I hope that she is getting the help that she needs. But this here is why women don't come forward. And what happens 30 years from now when she's asked if this, you know, if this guy, if her rapist, let's call it what it is, Mm -hmm. rape, if her rapist 
is in line for a high profile job, is she going to be brought up before a judgmental committee and asked to relive that trauma? Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a tweet during the Kavanaugh hearings about how the Brock Turners of the world get to be the Brett Kavanaugh's who make the who make the rules for the next Brock Turners. And I think that this also speaks to this general kind of like male entitlement Mm -hmm. sort of culture that we've created that people said that he was entitled to due process, that he was entitled to all of this stuff. And again, you're not entitled to a Supreme Court seat. Exactly. Yeah, you're entitled to due process in criminal court. Yes. Yeah, due process is is a criminal court precept and it does not exist in like and if you get vilified in the court of public opinion that's not you you don't get due process like that's not a thing right and yeah and also i did want to speak about how with both anita hill and dr blasey ford they were both extremely educated accomplished women and uh like anita hill was a law professor who practiced law and dr blasey ford was a neuroscientist i'm gonna i i can't remember i know she studied the brain and clearly was very good at it because she's a very accomplished (laughs) and smart woman yes and also i think especially since she did study the brain i remember the the line that she that she said which like indelible in the hippocampus is the laughter and that line hit so hard with so many people that i knew that Mm -hmm. like you and especially with there's not not only is there like a disincentive to come forward because you won't be believed there's also people that are going to continually poke holes in your story if you do not recall every single detail to be honest i think that's worse yeah. than not being believed like it's yeah. one thing to say oh i don't believe you it's another thing to take someone who has been through this horrible trauma ask them to relive it only so you can poke holes in their story yeah and also yeah. they they i mean dr ford is her own it was her own really like expert Right. expert witness because right. she knows how trauma is processed and how it's filtered through memory and how you may not remember every single thing that happened but you remember right. the important bits and the things that that imprint themselves on your brain are not necessarily going to be the same for every person because we all process trauma differently but and also in the, an episode yeah. like that your brain can sometimes just shut down yeah and not you're not going to remember yeah. the specific details Which, like, of why when would he put you? his hand on yeah. your back and like all those stupid it's, things it's that like people use It's like a survival to... response right. basically. Yeah. That your brain is just like this is traumatic. I'm going to shut down but like she she was so both her and Anita Hill were both so incredibly qualified to give this testimony and these things were so bungled um by by these judiciary committees and especially in anita hills uh hearing when it was all men on the judiciary committee and there and there weren't additional witnesses called and the same thing happened with dr ford's testimony too because i mean it's it's up to the chairman of the judiciary committee which in anita hill's case it was joe biden and then in um dr blasey ford's it was 
uh, Chuck, our own Chuck the Grassley. Faces we just made in this room. You can't see, but the faces made amongst the three of us. Ooh boy. Woof. Or, or as Kate would say, woof. woof. But yeah, it's it's just maddening that you can be an extremely accomplished, well versed in your subject matter, highly educated, and you are still not believed. And that also just makes me incredibly sad for people who come forward who do not have these these identifiers behind them who are no less deserving of the attention and the sympathy and empathy that these people that are coming forward should get. And I'm sure there are statistics on this, but I mean, I'm betting that like as as you move down the socioeconomic status, I bet there is like a lessening of people who come forward and report just because like they don't feel like they they can or they know that they won't be believed. And maybe that's true across the board, but I feel like that is definitely something that like is an imprint of poverty, especially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So where do we go from here, ladies, broads? Where do we go from here, broads? Right to the Supreme Court to take Kavanaugh's seat. No, we can't do that, but... Uh, <laughs> if only. If only. Feels pretty helpless. Yeah. Which I hate to admit. I mean, <laughs> my only hope out of this is that every single time the name Brett Kavanaugh is mentioned, Dr. Ford's rape testimony is also mentioned. I want him to be linked to that for the rest of his life. There was a New York Times article that came out this week that was talking about how he's having apparently a real tough time making it in Washington. And I'm like, well, you know what? What a shame. Is it hard for you to, you know, have your Supreme Court seat? Is that hard? Is that hard for you? Is it hard for you? Is it? Is it? I, yeah, I'm just... Everything that has happened with the courts for like the past couple of years has just made me incredibly mad, like from Merrick Garland to like just the general packing of these courts with extreme conservatives that basically Mitch McConnell and at, when Chuck Grassley was head of the Judiciary Committee, just rubber stamping all these people through. And there were people who wouldn't say that Brown v. Board was correctly adjudicated, which is like the most low, like the easiest answer that they ask you when you come in for these nominee hearings. The thing is, too, that I think about a lot is, like, this person who disregarded another woman's body because he felt power over it is now in a position to make decisions about women's bodies all over the country. Yes, because, because that to, yeah. is, what hap- is what, ha- what is happening right yeah, now. Yeah, today we recorded on Friday the 4th, October 4th, and the Supreme Court just announced that they're going to hear the first abortion case they called of the Kavanaugh era. Era, yeah, which I saw that. Is, made me want to puke. Yeah. I felt sick to my stomach it was not driving fun. in and hearing that on the news this morning. I was not thrilled about it. And it, it's also kind of one of those, like, I almost want to call it like a sleeper case because it's not going to immediately, it's not like going to quote unquote dismantle Roe v. Wade in like name, but it is going to make it so much easier for the state legislatures across the country to int- to introduce these tar- these trap laws, which like 
they're really showing who they are with these mm-hmm. trap laws. Yeah. And they it's going to make reproductive justice just so much more like difficult. And there are, I mean, in Iowa, I think we, we know, I'm not saying we know best because like Texas is obviously having a much tougher time and Louisiana, which is the, the, um, which is the state uh, referenced in the Supreme Court case that's coming through. But I mean, we had four clinics close in 2017 when the state legislature basically decided that we're going to reform our entire family planning like waiver network to exclude Planned Parenthood because yeah because we don't like Planned Parenthood. We don't want our tax money. We don't want our which the the crazy part is they all they all would say that that we don't want our money that we don't want our tax dollars funding abortion. Your tax dollars do not fund abortion because of the Hyde Amendment and. Well, I think that the Hyde Amendment is a terrible holdover from a time where we did not understand how like how much that it would affect low income individuals. And I think it should be taken away. But I mean, these and also all their arguments were like, well, we don't want any money to go to a a um, uh Greg, you can, yep. yep. <laughs> we don't want our money to go to a facility that also does abortions, but the Medicaid funding is a one-to-one reimbursement rate. So like they can't use that money for rent for anything other than like cancer screenings, STI testing, and contraception, which some of them were not chill with and put it in, tried to put it into an amendment that they introduced at like the 11th hour, which thankfully was not taken forward because it would have included the, not dismissal, but like it would have basically made certain forms of birth control illegal, which is, yeah, it was real, 2017 in the Iowa legislature was really fun. It was a super great year. It was a, there was also a, you're not going to let me get an abortion or birth control. There was also a rule in one of the things that they put forward that like single women had to get the permission of their parents if they were under, if they were unmarried. Oh yeah. It was a real fun time. (laughs) The Iowa legislature in 2017, that was when I clerked there and it was, it was a wild ride just trying to like it was there were several of the bills that just felt like they were deliberately reading out of the handmaid's tale just like get a permission slip yeah basically thankfully that did not go through but it was just i feel like i feel like then representative now congresswoman finkenauer has um spoke out about it during the during the debates about i can't for life me remember what it was but she she also spoke about how she didn't want the people in that building making these healthcare decisions for her, which is really what this is all about. These are healthcare decisions mm-hmm. that should not be made by a bunch of old guys and sometimes women looking at you, Kim Reynolds and Kay Ivey, who do not know or will not learn about what it is like to go through an experience like that and how much the stigma just keeps people from speaking out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, since the Kavanaugh hearing, with everything else that is going on, I mean, what is this? Where do we go from here? What do we do? We organize and make things better. And strengthen numbers, right? Yes. I mean, 
it's important. I mean, it's hard to find the positives in a situation like this, but it's important that, you know, one year later, we're still fucking talking about it. It's still trending on Twitter. Yep. Like, that is important. I we should it not discredit that. Women... We need to keep talking about it. Women are still angry. And every time Kavanaugh writes an opinion, or, an, you know, he comes out with the deciding opinion mm-hmm. on a Supreme Court case, we have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. We have to say, hey, do you remember? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember? <laughs> I remember. And I think that as women, we just, we have to stand with other women, which gets into what this podcast yep. is about, what Persistent Broads stands for and what we're going to be talking about. So we have some really exciting things that everyone can expect from us. We're going to have some regular segments. One of which is, why are men great till they got to be great? Another one is going to be my personal favorite, the Liz Lenz Fan Club. Woo! Woo, Liz Lenz, we love you. Um, if you haven't heard of Liz Lenz, I, I don't know where you've been, but you need to Google her and read her stuff. She wrote an amazing book called Godland, which I have loved reading. And she also has been writing incredible articles. In fact, she just recently had an article in Time Magazine, which is amazing. And she's also a reporter for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And she's such an incredible, strong female voice. And so we are going to be excited. And Iowan. And Iowan, yes. And we are going to be so excited to honor her and talk about her work from time to time. We're also going to throw it back to some of our persistent broads of yore with Remember the Ladies, where we'll feature a, again, persistent broads of yore and talk about why they're important and maybe you'll learn something about someone you didn't know about before a founding female a founding female you might say i love it we're also going to feature a segment called follow the ladies where we recommend who you should be following on twitter and on instagram for their special feminist views maybe people who do art that is especially feminist and TikTok, maybe? T- I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I don't know, know anything I don't understand about TikTok. TikTok, TikTok is, I'm too old for it. I'm an elder millennial. So if any of you listeners out there are familiar with TikTok and want to come in and teach us how to yeah. use TikTok, then we will put a TikTok segment in your honor on this podcast. Yes, Gen Z, hit us up because Kate and I are both digital directors and we have no idea what TikTok is. I'm just too old. And <laughs> I'm Rest just, in peace, Vine. Rest in peace, Vine. That's all this week for these persistent broads. Uh, Just remember, it's hard out here for a broad. Persistent Broads is part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. For more information, visit potluck.fm and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Thanks.